Hello and welcome to the Chaos to Clarity podcast, where we hear from incredibly successful and inspirational technology executives and thought leaders about escaping the chaos of building a tech startup and the hard-won lessons of getting to scale. I'm Eric Weiss, a 20-year software industry veteran, an executive coach, and the CEO of the Chaos to Clarity Accelerator. In this show, you will hear about the journey that founders must take to build a successful technology company, but I'll also share my own experience and methods as a leader, a founder, and an executive coach. Let's jump right into it. All right, I am here with Abby Noda, CEO of DX. How are you doing today? Doing great, Eric. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so great to have you on the show. Um, you have built a platform uh, to solve a problem that is really near and dear to my heart and something I'm very passionate about, and that is optimizing um, for the developer experience and helping development teams thrive. Um, so you're doing really great work, and I can't wait to to hear what you're doing. Awesome. Yeah, excited to dive in. So before we jump in, I'd love to hear a little bit about you and, and what kind of got you on this journey and what ultimately um, drove you to start DX. Yeah, great question. So I am a software developer, still write code every day. And mm -hmm. uh, when I began my career, I was a developer for around six years at different companies before moving into management. And once I moved into management, I immediately became interested in the problem of optimization and measurement. But it really popped into the picture when I was the CTO of a startup and the CEO of the company came to me and said, hey, Abi, all the rest of the departments are reporting and tracking various KPIs. Could you come up with something for engineering? And I remember being a little taken aback because, first of all, I'd never been asked that question. But the real problem was once I started to try to figure out what a good KPI or metric would be, I couldn't find one. I couldn't figure anything out. And uh, that really sparked the seven-year journey now of being focused on this problem of what are the right things to measure, how do you measure, and how do you use metrics and measurements in software development to optimize teams, report to stakeholders, relate to the business, et cetera. So it's a problem I've been working on for a long time and uh, still a lot of problems to solve, uh, solve still on that journey. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, you're you're definitely, you know, doing good work here. You know, I've I've uh I've been leading engineering teams for over 15 years now, and I've always had this challenge that the kind of metrics that management typically wants us to measure are useless at best and counterproductive at worst. Um they tend to think of engineers as like manufacturing assembly line workers and, you know, so Personally, as a, as a dev team leader, but then also as a as a consultant, bosses, management, clients would come to me and say, you know, my dev team just isn't fast enough. They're not working fast enough. They're not productive enough. And so, like the idea is that you know they're just not pedaling hard enough on the bicycle. But then I'd go and I'd I'd sit with the team and they'd just be exhausted. And you'd be like, oh my god, just there's so much work and there's so much waste and the overhead and all these meetings and everything. And uh, and so I I was on the same journey as you. And over the course of many years, I created what I call kind of a developer scorecard or development, a developer experience scorecard, which is really focused on, you know, collaboration and innovation and creativity, right? Is, are the engineers actually doing good innovative work or are they spending all their time with wasteful meetings and overhead tasks and 
fixing bugs and reworking stuff that they've already done before. And, and what I found in, in my work was that actually only 20 to 40% of an engineering team's time was typically spent doing value, valuable work or value-added work. And 60 to 80% was basically waste and inefficiency. Um, and so I've been doing this stuff manually for many, many years. So when I discovered that there was finally a tool that was looking at developer experience, um, you know, from, from that perspective, I was like, I, I got to talk to this guy and bring him on the show. So <laughs> yeah, very happy to have you on, but also uh, I'm a big supporter of the work that you're doing. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like you are steeped in this problem and, uh, on this, on a similar journey as myself <laughs> and many other people who have, who have grappled with this. I think you touched on so many good points around the, the, the incessant demand from business leaders to want to measure how hard developers are pedaling or how fast they're moving. And of course, speed, this concept of speed in software development is a, is a hard thing to measure. And to your point mm -hmm. as well, the, the mistake of viewing software development as a manufacturing assembly line is, is a very flawed view of what software development really is as well. Right. Uh, so anyways, you, you touched on a lot of great things, but excited to, to dive in further. Yeah, well, so so let's talk about what are some of the sort of traditional um, productivity metrics that that fail, and 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 why do you think that that is? Yeah, I think the the conventional metrics really just boil down to things that try to measure the speed and output of development work. So when we talk about output, these are things like lines of code, velocity points, number of pull requests. It used to be number of function points. At number of tickets, number of bugs, <laughs> number of features. With regard to speed, it kind of relates to the analogy you use, which I love, by the way. I use the same analogy around cycling. I'm, I'm a mountain biker mm -hmm. myself. And nice. when people try to measure speed, they're usually measuring, for example, things like cycle time, like how quickly does a task get complete? But I always use the analogy of cycling as well, because speed is really or metrics like cycle time are really just measuring the cadence of work and if you're a cyclist you would know that speed is the function of uh, cadence times power and so in software development to really measure speed you need both the, the cadence of work but also the amount the volume of work itself and of course in software development there's not a good way of actually measuring how big or small a piece of work is because output is difficult to measure. And so uh, speed and output are the ways that leaders conventionally try to measure developer productivity. And again, it boils down to that just being a traditional approach to understanding productivity that comes from industrial roots. It comes from uh, mm -hmm. approaches to measuring manufacturing processes and factory processes. Google recently put out an article on developer productivity, and they use this very aggressive analogy of coal shovelers. They kept talking about how these types of traditional productivity metrics work for measuring how quickly coal is being shoveled, but not for a creative and complex discipline like software development. So mm -hmm. um, yeah, that's, I think, the the problem we've seen for, for decades now. And you keep seeing new variants of these speed and output metrics come out. And uh, even the Dora metrics, which are popular today, are largely rooted in a uh, lean, aka, you know, with roots in manufacturing uh, approach to software development. Mm -hmm. And those types of metrics are useful in certain cases, but it, it certainly doesn't capture the full picture. And there's a lot more to the story when it comes to understanding what is 
driving or hindering developer productivity. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I, I, I mentioned before that, you know, these metrics are either sort of useless at best or counterproductive at worst. I can't tell you how many times I've worked with a team where management comes in and they say, okay, we want to see every other week reports. What is our velocity lines of code pushed, uh, you know, release cadence, that sort of thing. And so what happens naturally? Okay. You want, if velocity is what you want to track, then we're just going to point everything bigger. You want to measure lines of code. We're just going to start writing more inefficient code. You want cycle time. Okay. We're going to write 10 lines of code and push it out. But now we've got additional overhead because we have to review it and we have to merge it and we have to deploy it. Absolutely. So, time and time again, I've seen these kinds of things. And so as a, I was an agile coach um, for many years and what I, the mindset shift that I would try to drive is it's not about speed. It's about flow. And so we really should be focused on measuring friction, not speed. So if we can remove friction, then speed will be a natural byproduct, right? It, it's, it's flow and it's just going to happen naturally. We have to trust our development teams and assume that they're working as hard as they can. I mean, come on, right? We hire the best and the brightest. We, we, we challenge them. We give them meaningful work. They're going to work hard. Um, I, I think it's actually kind of pretty, pretty crappy and disingenuous to think that we've got these engineering teams that are sitting on their laurels when usually they're just burned out. Um, and so again, this, this shift that in, in my work has been on how much time are they spending, you know, configuring environments and sitting in meetings that they find to be inefficient or unproductive. Um, you know, how much time is spent in writing emails and back and forth communications? How much time are they spending on Slack? All those sorts of things. So I measure the negative and then sort of say, well, like, well, what's left? Okay. How much time did you spend really creating and whiteboarding and, and, and engaging with the customer and understanding what does the goal look like and, and building a prototype and actually seeing your code compile and show up on the screen and so on and so forth. And that was always such a small, small slice. And so we would go back and say, all right, let's start eliminating this friction. And then speed would just be a natural byproduct. So, so tell me about what are some of the, the, the metrics that you found that are really powerful that, that actually drive a good developer experience. Yeah. Well, first of all, I want to say the, this, again, your journey of kind of transitioning from measuring speed and output to instead focusing on friction like that, that's the very core idea behind the research we've been doing into developer experience, the papers we've published, the articles we're putting out, the conversations we're having with organizations. So, uh, very much aligned that measuring and improving friction is how you unlock higher levels of productivity and satisfaction, you know, lower le levels of attrition, et cetera. Uh, so that is very much the, the ethos behind focusing on developer experience. Uh, as far as what types That's of fantastic. metrics uh, help actually achieve that, it's, well, it's not a short answer, <laughs> uh, but we're just about to publish <laughs> a paper actually that outlines uh, an approach for this. But one thing I'm going to call out is that now, although we've been talking about moving away from metrics like cycle time and focusing more on the, the friction that's actually experienced by people, when it comes to measuring developer experience, uh, we found that it's important to measure both objective and subjective aspects of developer experience. Mm -hmm. So what I mean by that is examples of subjective factors include uh, perceived ease or difficulty of completing work or perceived ease of setting up your local environment or perceived speed of builds and tests. 
these are subjective because it's really capturing the, the opinions and attitudes of humans. At the same time, it's also important to get a look at the objective side. So how long do these things actually take? Uh, how quickly can a developer uh, get their environment set up? So balancing perception and the actual workflows is really important. And an analogy I would use is if you went to see your doctor for a physical and they just asked you, hey, how are you feeling? He said, I feel pretty healthy. And that was it. They didn't take your vital signs. They didn't take your uh, you know, <laughs> blood pressure, lipid levels. You might be missing a part of the picture, right? Now, on the other hand, if you went to the doctor and they only took your blood work and your cholesterol levels and they didn't ask you, so how are you actually feeling? They might be missing another side of the equation as well. So counterbalancing both mm -hmm. the perceptions and the objective workflows of developers, measuring both is one important aspect mm -hmm. of how you should approach this problem. Yeah, that's great. Well, so, you know, people may be quick to dismiss the subjective um, surveying, but what you're measuring there is people's level of frustration and fatigue. So if there's a process, even if it's objectively quick, but it's incredibly frustrating and energy draining for me, well, that means I'm going to suck at the rest of my job, right? Yeah. But if I'm feeling yeah. good about it, um, and it, it's a reasonably efficient process, then that means I've got plenty of energy left to, again, focus on the innovative stuff. So that's, that's awesome. Don't discount the subjective thing, because that's really, when we're talking about developer experience, this is what we're measuring here. This is the people that are building our products and that are the foundation that our company is built on. We want them to be pumped and energized and happy and excited and innovating, right? Yeah, I can give you one concrete example. I use the doctor analogy, but a uh, very common example of mm -hmm. what you just described would be code review turnaround time. This is something that a lot of organizations have started mm -hmm. measuring the objective side of. They measure how long does it take for a code to go from you know, done to reviewed. What we've seen in practice is that if you don't have the perceptual side of that equation, you're probably misinterpreting the metrics. And so an example being mm -hmm. I've spoken to teams that have code review turnaround times of two days. And they're perfectly happy and fine with that because they have parallel tasks that they work on. So they're, they're not getting blocked. On the other hand, I've met with teams that had two or three hour turnaround times on code reviews, but they're blocked by that. And they're really frustrated by that. And so you can see that just focusing on the, wow. the pure cycle times of code reviews doesn't actually help you hone in on whether there's a problem or not. That's amazing. Yeah, no, I, yeah, you're right. I see that all the time. It is. It's really, it's, it's am I in a flow? If I'm not in a flow state, I'm getting frustrated. If I can send something off and work on something else, I'm feeling good. If I'm yep. stuck, I'm going to feel bad regardless. And that's something that, again, might be insidious or, or hidden. Oh, that's cool. So, um, so with some, tell, let's talk about some of the maybe you know early customers that you've had or some of those success stories. Where are some teams that you've seen really transformed by this? Yeah. Well, first of all, it's important to maybe share who who we work with, and it's a little different than who you might be more accustomed to thinking would be interested in metrics. Typically, when we think of these types of metrics and developer productivity, we think of like a director of engineering or director of product ops, right? Mm -hmm. The person who's managing the roadmap and wants to see stuff get out the door. Our focus mm -hmm. is actually working more so with people who work full time, fully dedicated to improving developer productivity. So these are mm -hmm. what I like to call enablement teams. They have many specific labels across the industry. Sometimes they are 
you know, engineering excellence teams, engineering enablement teams, developer productivity, developer experience, platform infrastructure, et cetera. But what all these teams share in common is that their full-time job is to understand and improve developer productivity. And I think it's these people who have quickly come to an understanding similar to you and I that measuring speed and output does not actually provide insights to help them figure out how to improve developer productivity. And so we've found really great alignment working with these types of teams. Uh, and you know, a lot of these teams without DX were trying to cobble it together with uh, homegrown surveys, homegrown metric solutions, uh, cobbling together the different research out there, trying to pull, pull these threads together to create dashboards. Uh, it's a really time-consuming and expensive process when they've tried to roll out their own surveys. You know, surveys are really hard. People think, oh, just a survey. But uh, designing a survey can take <laughs> six months if you're doing it in a rigorous way. And I know of leaders out there yeah. who have spent six months uh, worth of time on just design, not to mention figuring out how to communicate a survey out to the organization, how to analyze the data and how to present that data and how to make it actionable for teams. There's a lot to it. And so uh, those are the types of people that we work with. And, you know, we've helped them turn that process into one that is it really frees them up to just focus on the, okay, what do we do with this data part rather than how do we collect the right data and how we, how do we represent this data in a way that is actionable and makes sense? Yeah, no, that's fantastic. So as I mentioned, I, I, I did all this, right? I've done all this work. I've got the scorecard and all this kind of stuff. And I'd be very happy to not do that work anymore. <laughs> um, but the, 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 the only alternative so far has been it's kind of like employee engagement surveys, right? But those are so high level. And they don't really get into why they don't get into root causes and they're really not tailored to the world of, of engineering. And so I kind of, you know, built this thing and I stick it in there, but then there's, it's missing the, the ongoing quantitative part of it as well. So I say, well, all right, we got to go implement some sort of other metrics in your, whatever your project management tools are over here to actually measure the, you know, the quantitative side of it. And then, okay, here's a scorecard, go run it every six months. But like, then I have to come in and do the analysis and assessment. So anyway, I'm more than happy to uh, pass my clients over to you from now on. Yeah. Um, but so, so yeah, so let's, let's, I guess, think about like, how does an organization implement this thing and, and how does it, you know, kind of compare or replace or complement the other tools that are out there? Yeah. Typically a typical customer probably is either thinking about or has already deployed their own homegrown developer experience survey. And as you know, having mm -hmm. done it, it's a lot of work. Uh, and a lot of the times yeah. it's not going so well. They're not really getting that useful of insights. They uh, aren't mm -hmm. getting great participation. We often hear about homegrown surveys getting mm -hmm. 30, maybe 40, maybe 50% participation, even at the big tech companies that invest a lot into this. Another thing that these companies tend to be doing is trying to figure out the the quantitative metrics as well, as you mentioned. So they may be looking at off-the-shelf solutions or just homegrown solutions that trans, um, import data from tools like Jira into some central system that they can build mm -hmm. reports and charts out of. Uh, this work is often also quite tedious. And as an organization grows, as you know, the number of tools and different workflows that they use also grows. So it's often not sustainable to continue maintaining this type of in-house met engineering metrics platform on their own. And so uh, implementation of DX usually involves taking over both of these 
areas of work from an organization. So we offer a you know standardized standardized developer experience survey platform uh, alongside a services and advisory um, arm of our business that actually helps organizations mm-hmm. adopt and roll this thing out successfully. And I, I really want to emphasize that because the tool by itself is only half the equation when it comes to these types of programs. Mm-hmm. As you know, rolling out an assessment or a scorecard or any sort of survey, you're asking a lot of people for their time. And it needs to be clearly explained what the purpose of this is, you know, privacy, how the information will be used and reported. It's a lot of work. So that's something we provide support to organizations yeah. as well. And then, as you mentioned, there's the quantitative side as well. And we provide a platform called DX Data Cloud that aggregates not only data from the common third-party tools like GitHub and Jira, but it also consolidates data from DevX surveys from DX, as well as any sort of bespoke tool you might have. Uh, I recently had a conversation with uh, the person who leads the developer insights team at LinkedIn, and he shared how there are hundreds of internal tools, bespoke tools that different teams use. And at LinkedIn, they've built a insights platform that allows those teams to add that custom data from those tools and create custom dashboards and metrics from those tools. And so that's something that we believe is really important, especially as organizations grow. And so that's something that DX Data Cloud supports as well. Wow, that's really fantastic. So you, you, you touched on one thing there around sort of change management, like how to roll this thing out in a, in a really thoughtful way. That really struck a chord with me. So um, again, as a you know engineering leader for many, many years, and as a consultant being brought in to companies to, to help with this kind of thing, I would, there was always the, this first um, barrier that I would hit as I would get introduced to the team and there would be this wall up and this paranoia. And they would kind of look at me and be like, you know, how dare you? How dare you and how dare management come in here and, and, and try to optimize us, right? Like we're sitting here not working as hard as we possibly can. Why don't you go out there and go fix the business and, and stop having them give us garbage requirements and changing direction every three months and, and blah, blah, blah. And so the first thing I had to do to build trust was to say, hey, I'm not here for them. I'm here to help you build your case and, and share with the world what is going on and, and, and tell the business what you need. And so a lot of these dashboards were really to help them present a business case for why they needed more resources or why they needed to invest more time in architecture or scalability or like do a maintenance sprint once in a while, for God's sakes, you know? Um, And so that's the kind of thing is like, there's a culture shift that needs to happen here because anytime management at any size company wants to come in and say, we're going to start rolling out metrics Everyone goes, oh God, here we go, right? We're under the the eye of Sauron now. <laughs> the spotlight is being shined. Absolutely. And so they're going to either try to avoid it and hide from it, or they're going to try to game the system. Um, but again, I, I think a thoughtful, conscious leader can roll out something like this in a very empathetic way and get incredible buy-in and, and incredible results. And, and that's what I was able to get, but it obviously I'm one guy, there's not a whole lot of people like me, so... It's fantastic that there's a, a platform and that you provide the services to do that. That's actually really cool. Yeah, I love your depiction of the typical journey of organizations rolling out metrics <laughs> because I think I've been in the trenches, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it gets muddy because I think I think yeah. leaders even get confused about why they are rolling out metrics yeah. because I've talked to leaders who yeah. 
will answer differently when I ask them, what are you trying to do with these metrics or insights? And some will just be honest and say, I'm trying to figure out who to fire, which is you know, a questionable mm -hmm. practice with these types of metrics. But oftentimes leaders will mm -hmm. say, I'm trying to understand how to help our organization improve. But I think that that often does not get communicated to engineers whom the metrics are being rolled onto. And I also think that leaders forget their purpose with these metrics because they get kind of lost in the, the muddiness of all these different bad metrics that exist. And I think once they get lost mm -hmm. in those metrics, they start using them in the wrong ways as well. So it's, it is a tr difficult path, as we both know from experience, to, to kind of go through these stages of initially being enamored by all these metrics that exist, but staying rooted to your purpose and thinking in terms of first principles to eventually arrive at the conclusion that you and I have, which is you, this speed and output stuff isn't, isn't going to help us really do anything other than piss off developers <laughs> to really understand yeah. how to improve. We need to understand the friction that's slowing them down. So anyways, I love the, the, the depiction there because I think that's often true. <laughs> Yeah, I mean it's 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 tough, right? I mean, again, engineers are are pretty far down the the pipeline. I mean, we're down the assembly line, let's call it. Um, and there's a there's so much work that get that that happens upstream that they're getting some kind of translation of, right? The sales is talking to marketing, is talking to product, is talking to design, and then finally some sort of translation, a brief gets plopped into Jira and they say, okay, now go build this and build it quickly. And eh, we don't really have too much time for questions. Just, just get to work and we'll figure it out along the way. And since what happens is you get these big roadmaps and schedules start slipping. And so then leaders come in and say, well, why are our, why is it taking so long? Why is the schedule slipping? It must be a factor of speed, but what they're missing is, well, no, there's waste, there's inefficiency, there's miscommunication, there's rework. There's all these things that, that get in the way. And then when you actually look at cycle time, you know, it's like, okay, once an engineer finally gets the task and they finally get all their questions answered and they finally get their environment set up and they finally, they're able to crank through it super fast, push it out. But then, ah, crap, didn't work. All right. Or the customer didn't want it or it broke or whatever. Now we got to go, you know, do it again. So exactly. Anyway, I'm, I'm getting fired up here, man. I'm, <laughs> I'm reliving <laughs> decades of, of pain and suffering. So forgive me. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I I've been there and and I, like you're describing, I've seen so many organizations waste so much time and energy chasing the wrong things and focusing on the wrong metrics. Yeah. And uh, so I think that's the message we're trying to put out there and, and the education and resources we're trying to put out there to, to help organizations focus on the right things that actually drive productivity. Well, Avi, it was so great to have you on the show today. Like I said, this is an area that I'm really passionate about. Um, and so for all you founders and, and engineering leaders out there, you know, I really hope this episode made you think and reflect on how you are measuring the performance of your team, but really how are you supporting your engineering teams uh, to thrive, to be innovative, to be creative and to do their best work. Um, so for anybody who's interested, go to getdx.com. Um, Abby Noda, again, thank you so much for being here today and um, looking forward to seeing you soon. That's it for this week's episode. Thank you so much for being here. If there's a challenge that you're dealing with in your tech startup that you'd like me to cover, 
Or if you're an executive of a successful SaaS company and you'd like to be a guest on my show, or if you'd like to hear more about what I offer in the Chaos to Clarity Accelerator or my executive coaching program, reach out and connect with me at eric at fullcycleproduct.com. Thank you and I'll see you next week.